This is a GRDC podcast. Hollywood made a few great movies about going back to the future, but that's actually happening in real life in laboratories all over Australia. Scientists use ancient varieties of wild chickpeas to try to solve modern farming problems like ascochyta blight and drought and cold tolerance. Now, while Marty and Doc use their time machine to go back to the 1950s, in a way, our intrepid scientists went even further back in their travels to eastern Turkey in 2013, looking for chickpea varieties that have been growing and developing across a range of environments, possibly for centuries. G'day, I'm Chris Brown. I was lucky enough to catch up with Dr Lars Kompos, the research theme leader for canola and pulse diseases at the Centre for Crop and Disease Management in Perth. Lars showed me around a greenhouse where many of these ancient chickpea lines have been crossed with two much-used Australian varieties, PBA Hattrick and in some cases Kyabra, and he explained why Back to the Future. Chickpea varieties around the globe have a very narrow genetic base. So what that means, there's very little diversity. So quite quickly you exhaust that genetic diversity to try and improve your varieties of the future. So what we wanted to go and do is go back to wild resources and bring that diversity in. So we know from some work that's been done by colleagues in the US that in modern varieties relative to this wild germplasm that we've obtained now, that there is a 95% loss in diversity. Compared to the, the wild? Compared to the wild, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so, so uh, what's the wild got that modern varieties don't? So what we're hoping to mine out of this gold mine of wild germplasm is sources of resistance to some of the diseases that our growers face. Here at Curtin University we are focusing on ascochyta blight and sclerotinia. But we've got collaborators on the east coast that are focusing on root leach and nematodes, for example, at John Thompson and his team at University of Southern Queensland. We've got Sean Bitchell, who is looking at Phytophthora root rot uh, at New South Wales DPR. And then we've got colleagues at Syro and UWI that are looking at a lot of the abiotic stresses, so drought, frost, and cold tolerance. So they're traits that are fairly lacking in varieties that are common now. That's correct. And then there is one last project that is mining this germplasm resource looking at acid soil tolerance and that's more uh, Western Australia centric mm. issue because we've got a lot of sandy acidic soils and that's colleagues at Murdoch University, Wendy Vance and her team that are mining that for aluminium and acid soil tolerance and so what we're hoping to get out of this project is not only better varieties in the regions where they're currently popular but also in what GRDC calls the potential expansion zones for chickpea production. Uh, where obviously we've got a passion to try and develop pre-breeding material to lead to varieties for yeah. production in Western Australia. Why do you think that these wild varieties have the, all these traits that are so attractive? The logic behind the project when it started off was all about going back to the wild, not only because it had a tremendous amount of diversity compared to the domesticated uh, gene pool, but also because those wilds were collected from a wide geographic range, so different altitudes, different areas that have different soil types, different temperatures, rainfall, humidity, you name it, with the idea that 
you could go back into that wild germplasm and see if there's areas, for example, that are favorable for diseases. So if you take Escocida as an example, if you've got high humidity and good temperatures, it can promote disease. So wild chickpeas that are growing in those regions, if for in order for them to have survived, they would have had to be quite robust and strong and resistant to Escocida. So over generations. Over generations, generation exactly, because generation. exactly, they would have evolved in that natural habitat over time and developed, and the ones that would still be standing today uh, would be the ones that would have good resistance. And so that was the idea behind targeting some of those traits. So you can imagine cold tolerance, you could, could find in material that's growing at higher altitudes. Our colleagues at SARO went on collection trips from 2013 all the way up to 2016. Uh, on an annual basis to go back to that centre of origin and try and spot those tiny, horrible looking compared to a, a modern cultivated wild chickpeas. And then they had to tag them with a clear marker and log the GPS coordinates. And then once they set seed, they would have to come back and... They hope the goats hadn't eaten them. Yep, oh, exactly. So the local wildlife and or the sheep that were uh, being herded in, in those areas mm. could eat them. What results are you seeing so far? Making crosses between domesticated and wild is not as easy as domestic by domestic because they're different species. We've got to compress the flowering time and synchronise it so that they both flower at the same time. And then with the aid of application of hormones, try and make these crosses and ensure that they take. So once you've achieved that, you then got to be able to carefully germinate those individuals mm. and grow them up. And in order to get lots of seed, what we then do is we take cuttings once those offspring, we call them F1s, uh, growing up a bit so that we can bulk up and get enough seed. So that was quite a, a long process. Some courses were easier to make than others. But to date, we've generated about 40 different cross combinations all up. And it's an ongoing process. So that's as, here at Curtin, is it? That's, that's here at, at Curtin. From this work, Lars and his team have come up with five lines that are resistant to a range of isolates, as he explains. Where we're standing here now, we're making crosses with those five highly resistant lines back into PBA Hetrick as well as Kyabra to try and bring those resistance traits in and try and understand the genetic control, so which areas in the genome of chickpeas, of these wild chickpeas, gives rise to that resistance phenotype. We are advancing one population in particular that we really want to look into, and we're hoping to be able to identify the key regions that control that resistance sometime next year. Once we know which areas in the genome of these wilds control that resistance, what we can do is we can, what we call, design a molecular marker. What that allows a breeder to do is, rather than having to screen the material for Escocida resistance each year in, in a phenotyping trial, they can just use this marker to determine whether the resistance is retained in the cross that they've made or whether they've lost it. So it's much easier for them and much quicker and cost-effective to follow them. Now, what we can also do is, is screen those other lines to see how many different sources of resistance to Escocida blight we've got. And because we've identified sources in the two different wild species, that gives you an opportunity to potentially identify different sources of resistance and then combine those in the same background in a future variety with the idea that that gives you 
a more long-term durable form of resistance, similar to the way they stack resistance to diseases in your wheat and barley. So one of these wild varieties so that you're growing here, it might just have one of those traits. Correct, yeah. And, and so, so you're trying to then put trait on trait on trait. trait, sort of trait. Thing. Yeah, so the idea is to then make a cross between the domesticated and the wild. And obviously the offspring from that cross will segregate for that trait. And so there is a molecular technique to then basically create lots of little flags in the genome uh, and you can correlate those with the phenotype to try and identify which areas of the genome and which genes that lie in those areas might be responsible for the trait that you're, you're interested in. Mm. And then you can make crosses between different sources that have different traits and try and accumulate them in your future varieties as a, a pre-breeding line. So you can stack different sources of resistance or different tolerances, so say frost, cold, or acid soil tolerance, and try and get all those traits in the same genetic background. That's essentially what a lot of the pre-breeding lines that we're trying to get into the breeding program would have a bunch of those traits, and then in the breeding program they would mix and match them all together. Of course, they've got other traits to look at as well, around seed size, seed shape, seed quality. So one of the things that you haven't seen is that these wilds look nothing like a tasty chickpea that we get to our growers. So they're quite uh, wrinkled and, and dark colored. Mm. Mm. And so... You've got to breed that out. You've got to breed that out. So it brings a lot of undesirable traits with it as well. Some of those undesirable traits we're logging as well. So in the populations that we've developed, we've not only recorded desirable traits like flowering time or first pot set and maturity type, but we also looked at growth habits. So we want them to be erect. We don't want them to be prostrate and covering the ground, like flat on the ground. We want height. We've looked at seed color, seed size, and seed shape. So in generating these populations and the corresponding flags across the genome, these molecular markers, we can try and make associations with areas of the genome that have desirable traits but also the undesirable traits so that we can select those out as we bring the sources of wild material in. The ultimate goal is to make our chickpea varieties of the future more profitable for our growers. So by introducing some of these traits into the breeding program and this additional genetic diversity, hopefully we get future varieties that are more disease resistant, better yielding and more resilient to abiotic conditions such as uh, frost, cold, drought tolerance. In terms of the WA context, what will be really important is to nail some of those key traits that are currently not of a high priority to the breeding program in the established zones, but are of importance to get varieties better adapted to the future expansion zones. So what I see as a key objective going forward for us is to deliver material that's better adapted to WI. So we're looking at material that's uh, nice and erect in its, its growth. Obviously, it's got good resistance to escocada, which wiped up the industry here in the past in Western Australia. And it would have to be early flowering and early maturing so that they can escape the drought towards the end of the season. And our WI chickpea growers get a, a valuable pulse crop in their rotational system. Some great prospects in the pipeline. Dr. Lars Compost from the Centre for Crop and Disease Management. CCDM is co-supported by Curtin University and the GRDC. 
My name is Chris Brown.